Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up? And welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, is Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how are you? I'm fresh off three naps today from taking a PTO care day, so I'm feeling ripe to whip up champ's ass today. He's ready to go with us. Also, it's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you this week? I mean, I am wonderful. My house is dropping as we speak temperature-wise. My air conditioner broke earlier. Didn't break. Just froze earlier in the week, and I was at a cool 80 degrees last night in the house. It was lovely, and now today it's fixed, and I feel like a whole new man. Champ, as a guy who loves to sleep in the cold, how, how did that impact you last night, sleeping in 80-degree weather? So – uh, the sleeping arrangement was okay because we went out to Menards the night before. We had, we're in a, like a three-level house, so our top level gets kind of hot. So we were told, you know, it would be a good back. idea to go get a, a little <laughs> standalone, uh, standalone air conditioner. So we went and got that. So our room was very cool. It was just the rest of the house that was very hot. So sleeping-wise, I slept well last night. But in the house that, that themselves, it was bad. He's feeling hot, 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 dude. Today, we're at, I'm looking at right now, it's already down to 74. It's dropped six degrees since this morning. So feeling hot. good, baby. Still very hot. So hot. <laughs> no, it's, it's the air is coming out strong. It feels good. It's going to drop down to a normal temp soon. All right, guys. Well, while Champ's cooling off, make sure you guys are subscribing to our podcast, wherever you guys get your podcast, the Black Heart Gold Pants feed. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Let's kick the show off with this, guys. We've gone deep into Iowa stuff. We've gone into recruiting. We've gone into name, image, and likeness with our buddy Matt Brown. We went behind the scenes of the Big Ten Network Whew. with our buddy Jordan Loperena. We're going to do a show for us this week. And what that entails is going all in on Chicago sports. And so we're going to kick the show off with this, our outside zone for the week, assuming the Chicago Bulls are also part of the NBA's plan to restart whenever they decided to restart, along with the, the Chicago Blackhawks. Which team do you, would you make the case for having the best, better chances of winning their respective championships? Champ, we'll start with you. I mean, this is a very easy question for me. It's definitely the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they have championship pedigree on that team with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. They've been on all three of the cup championship teams. And the, a thing that the Blackhawks haven't had a lot of over the years is rest. So this little time off may actually help the Blackhawks. I mean, they have some veteran guys, Duncan Keith, Corey Crawford, guys that have been in a lot of these playoff series and played a lot of minutes of ice time. Patrick Kane this year was averaging like the most minutes of any forward in the entire NHL. So this, this time off may have done them some good and who knows maybe they get hot I know they're the 12 seed facing the Edmonton Oilers when and if or when this starts it's not really an if now because they've made the plan so when this starts uh they're gonna have to beat Edmonton to start it off they're one of the best uh scoring teams in the NHL but hey who knows the Hawks I think when I saw the odds opening odds for 
when this whole bracket came out yesterday. I think they were a hundred to one to win the to win the Stanley Cup this year. So I mean, there's been longer odds that have won it. So why not? I, I could see the Hawks making a run and making it interesting. All right, there's the case for the Blackhawks. I have a sneaky suspicion Jerry is going to make the case for his beloved Chicago Bulls. Go away. Go take it away, Jerry. So let's not forget that in the last nine to ten games that we saw the Chicago Bulls, there was one player that was not named Zach Levine that was averaging 26.11 points per game. He was all of a sudden getting all of the minutes to play after all of Bulls fans had been clamoring for it all season long. Jim Boylan finally punched his punch card to let him go to work, and that's Kobe White. Kobe White was one of the hottest players in all of the NBA, partnered up with Zach Levine, who has no problem scorching the earth on the offensive side of the basketball. Coming back, you get Chris Dunn healthy. You get Laurie Markkinen, who's looking to show everybody that Jim Boylan's a piece of shit. So playing in spite and then also trying to show his brethren from overseas, his new vice president, executive vice president of player operations. We have Laurie Markkinen. Wendell Carter is probably not playing, but we could use him if he can. All I'm saying is the Chicago Bulls have enough there to possibly make some series interesting if they were to play. No, they do not have any Stanley Cup-type players on that team that have the, <laughs> have the championship um, aura about them, but I think the Chicago Bulls would be sneaky, especially after all this time off and a new regime above them to kind of show off some of their better talent. I don't know what the be- what would the bigger upset be, the Bulls making a run in a modified NBA playoffs or Jerry listing Chris Dunn as the second p- p- player that could make an impact for the Bulls roster. I saw me I saw me and Dave's face when Jerry <laughs> said that, and I, I, I don't know how you could be like, oh, yeah, bringing back Chris Dunn will help this team. In case you didn't realize, the reason that Kobe White was playing more minutes is because Chris Dunn was injured. So, therefore, Kobe White is probably going to have to sit some minutes now with uh, your great Chris Dunn add to this team. Chris Dunn is a dog shit player. He can play defense fine, but he's an absolutely abysmal offensive player. You need some defense on this team, champ. I don't know if you've watched the Chicago Bulls, but the problem isn't scoring. But the problem is keeping up the with Bulls, the offense. If the Bulls are going to even dream about making the run, um, run they're going to have to score 120-plus points a game to do that. They're not going to lock teams down defensively. So you're not going to be playing Chris Dunn at the end of games. You're going to be playing Kobe White, hoping to outscore teams, not lock them down. All, so, first of all, I just mentioned Chris Dunn would be back. I didn't say Chris Dunn was going to be the all-star player. That he was the third guy you mentioned after Kobe White and Zach Levine. Like, he was such I an important piece. I mentioned that he would be healthy and back. I said nothing of the like. See, now this is what happens with these types of shows. This is what happened with old school Spoko. Champ would take one sliver of a thing I would say, twist it, make it seem like I'm a moron, and then he would just light me up from there. I mean, you okay. just make it so easy. you got to be better with these things. You can't just mention Chris Dunn as your third piece when you're talking I'm, about I'm it. taking champs on this. You made very good arguments, but you literally lost all credibility when referencing Chris Dunn third. I didn't even, I didn't even continue listening. After he <laughs> said Chris Dunn, I, like, zoned out. I said, you oh, act like I said Denzel Valentine. Like, I'm, I'm C-Red Fred, and I think Denzel's going to rain it from three. I, I didn't say anything like that. I just mentioned that the clear-cut best defensive player would be healthy and back and available for this team. That's all I mentioned. Well, Wendell Carter Carter Jr. is the clear-cut best defensive player on this team. But 
That's another argument, I guess. Well, it's definitely not Otto Porter and his $28 million a year that we had to pay. Otto! He might be back, too. Well, how many games has he missed? About 50? Fuck Otto Porter. That, don't forget, the old regime traded for Otto Porter so they didn't have to spend the money they'd been telling everybody they would. Do not forget that, folks. Yes, they did. <laughs> We'll get into the Bulls here a little bit, but I'm going to, my answer here is, is what champs It's the Blackhawks. You have the Stanley cup winning pieces. The, the experience that comes with winning a cup, I think plays the most, most heaviest weight op- option there when you're coming in terms to who can make a, a unexpected run champ. You said they're tired. They haven't had many times off. They haven't won a playoff series since 2015. They've had a lot of time off by it. That is a very good point. They haven't but, even been in the playoffs also the last two years. So. But that being said, they do have the experience. Unlike what Jerry mentioned, the, the Bulls have no experience whatsoever in terms of winning. And so you got to lean with that winning tradition. And, and hockey is a weird sport. You get a hot goalie, you run in, and Corey Crawford's shown the ability to get hot. Yeah, you got to like Corey, Corey Crawford's chances on uh, standing on his head and, and leading the Blackhawks to hey. a modified Stanley Cup final. Hey, Thad Young has lots of experience. That's why they brought him in. Don't forget that, please. Championship winning experience? Big th- How about Th- Tomas Sadoransky? Has he played in the playoffs? Champ loves some Thad Young. That was going to be the piece that turned things around this season. I did like Thad Young when they signed him. He's Every piece. Crap. Every- Champ talked himself into campaign back in the day. Cam! <laughs> I loved Cam when they got him. <laughs> All right, guys, this is what you're going to get in this episode. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. We're going to go through all the four major sports and their plans to resume and how they impact our favorite Chicago teams. We'll start things off with the NBA. They're making some news on moving closer to finding a format to resume once they go down to Orlando's Wild World Sports, Disney's Wild World Sports. So we have two ways to look at this because Champ and Jer are both huge NBA fans. I am very much less of an NBA fan, but I am a Bulls fan. So we want to look at this from the NBA fan perspective. What format that they have teased out there that most interests you as an NBA fan? And as a Bulls fan, do you have a format or a, a way that involves the Bulls that you want to see? Jerry, we'll start with you as the NBA fan. As an NBA fan, the best thing that I have seen, and there's a lot out there about how the NBA could return, whether you're watching from Shams, you're a big ringer guy, and you're talking about Kevin O'Connor. There's been lots of ideas. Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo, they talk about them a lot. But the coolest one that I have seen is the World Cup um, qualifier slash playoff that they would put together. Um, for those who haven't seen it, it's just it's exactly like what we all get. All of us fanatics of we don't watch soccer, but all of a sudden the World Cup comes on, we're we're in love. They they seed people into quadrants based off of record, and there's groups of death based on where people finished off the standings. You, you play like a round robin. You play each team twice, I believe it was, Champ. I don't know if you saw yep. each team twice. Best record moves – or the two best records move on to the next round. And if two te- or two or three teams end up tying, the overall tiebreaker is based off the actual season record. So it, it's just a really cool way to kind of let the NBA try some different and really cool and unique things that I think a lot of NBA fans and basketball fans alike would enjoy watching for them to maybe implement furthermore on down the line, whether it's in the middle of the season or as the, the, the final qualifier, because let's face it, the actual playoffs for the NBA are, are pretty broken. The Eastern, boring. they're boring. There was, I think maybe two series last year that actually went to six or seven games. 
That's just not enough. That's not good quality basketball. There's a lot of teams sitting, waiting around. The West, the Western Conference is loaded. The Eastern Conference, there's four or five really solid teams, and the rest of them are trash. Um, so th there definitely needs to be some sort of way that the NBA needs to change this system. But for me and my money and wanting to get the most out of the COVID-19, give me the World Cup solution. Champ, same question. NBA as the general NBA fan, what format do you want to see? I completely agree. I love the World Cup format. It's it. Jer alluded to it, but it would be six uh, divisions, let's say, of five teams each. Coupled, there'd be a couple very good teams in each division, coupled with like a mediocre team and then two lower class teams. So that would make up the divisions of of five. Um, and then, like Jer said, they would advance based on winning percentage against each other. They would play two games, Jer was right, all against each other. And then the winner, uh, the whoever had the best record cumulatively of those games, the two best teams would advance. And if there was a tie, it would be with um, their overall season record. Uh, one thing Jer didn't mention is I think with that plan, they get to 70 games first. They play the – do they get to 70 games and then start that? or, or is it? They just go right into the World Cup. I don't remember. I think that, honestly they're probably debating both. At yeah, because I know there's that's the like big marker for the NBA is that seventy mm -hmm. game marker because that's when like all the they don't have to get um, money back. They they have to give all, a lot of their TV money back that they did, wouldn't have to if they get to seventy games. So needless to say, I think they're gonna. It's only an average of like four or five games for each team to play to get to that seventy games. So I think they're gonna do that either way, whatever you know, whatever thing they come up with. But yeah, the World Cup one is by far the best one I've seen. It's It gives these teams that had shitty seasons a chance. So, I mean, it's a two, basically a two-game series against every other team. And if for some reason you decide you want to play well and all of a sudden you're, you know, or a team like, let's say, Brooklyn, you know, the Nets, if KD's like, hey, maybe I want to come back and join this little World Cup thing and they're like one of those middle tier teams in one of these little World Cup things, all of a sudden they knock off one of these big time teams and they're advancing into the playoffs, quote unquote, instead of one of these, you know, top 10 teams that were all there there all year. I think that would be really cool to watch. And I mean, it, it would be really exciting. And I completely agree. I think the World Cup format is the best one I've seen. There's been some cool ones. Some of them are just kind of, you know, they're cool. They sound cool, but I don't think that actually work really well. But this World Cup one, I think, would work the best. So my question to both of you, because I have not followed it super closely, is how do they discourage the teams that are the that are already having bad seasons from just packing it in and, and going home? Because they get that playoff money. If they, like, if they so, Okay, but the NBA is very, very forward-looking. A lot of the front offices are super smart. Why are they going to – they talked about how this impacts draft like draft lottery, anything like that, to incentivize teams to not just pack it in and, and not try to get anybody hurt that's already like had a lost season. In the, in the grand scheme of things, let's say the Kings make a run and they're going deep. I mean, what if somebody gets hurt in the Kings and, and one of their young core, one of their pieces of their young core? Well, I mean, that could happen in the regular season anyways. Absolutely. But, like, you're also – you're running the end of the season. A lot of these teams at the end of the year, they, when their teams are already down, they just start sitting, guys, and further that tanking effort. Listen, I, it can easily happen. I think that's Dame Lillard's biggest point right now is that if they do a – they bring the NBA back and try to get those six or seven-ish games to get to 70 so that the NBA can keep the money, Dame said straight up, I'm not going to just come play if you're going to go to a regular playoff 
type system and I'm not going to make it in. I'm not playing. Yeah. And I think there's going to be teams that are going to choose to do that because what's the point? Like the Chicago Bulls at this point, Jim Boylan's a, he's a dead duck head coach. Like there's nothing really to play for. Lori hates hat. Lori hates the coaching staff. I know they want to turn it over. Why even bother? You just want to lose those games to get better uh, seating for the actual lottery. Not yeah, they, they would de- – DC brought up the point about the lottery. They would definitely have to address that, whether it would be they would do the lottery before even doing this whole World Cup thing, like the teams that already had bad records are into the lottery, the teams that didn't, did not. Or they just literally say, we're going to put all the teams in the lottery and, you know, teams have higher percentage chances based on their winning percentage of the season. And then, then there's no tanking because – They've already completed those games, and you see what the hell happens in the lottery. There's a really cool thing that I, I heard of today where the teams that would be in the lottery actually play in their own tournament, and the winner of that gets tournament the gets pick. the number one pick. And I this see. is one of those things I like where I, I just talked about the Bulls maybe being like kind of sneaky good in like a playoff scenario, but if they were to do this, I would have a lot of faith in the Bulls actually trying to win some games because like – if you put me up with the Bulls against the Knicks, I, I think the Bulls have a really good shot of winning that game. Yeah, anybody in the lottery, I like the Bulls' chances. That would be that would be the coolest thing. Let's say we, we make a bracket with the teams that are going to make the playoffs, and then you make a whole other bracket to try to get the – and then you, you do you, – let's say the top four, the winner gets the one pick, second place gets two, three, four, and then you just rank them after that. That yeah. would be great. But think about this too, though. If that were to happen, Steph Curry's healthy. They just got yeah, Wiggins. No shit. And all of a sudden, Clay's hobbling and back Clay's into the back. gym. Oh, shit. We need to get Clay in there, too. And then, yeah. So, winner of that tournament gets the first pick and gets the ace. It's kind of like the fun as hell tournament, but you also get – you play yourself into the playoffs. And, yeah, that I completely forgot about Steph Curry. I don't want that anymore because the Bulls <laughs> have no chance of getting the first pick. All right. Well, let's go Bulls focus here. The Bulls have made some changes while the NBA has been shut down. They have replaced their front office, completely overhauled it, added some new new positions to the front office. Champ, as a Bulls fan, what do you want to see the NBA do as it, as it directly impacts the Bulls? So as a Bulls fan, the simplest thing for, the, for what to happen with the Bulls is for the regular season to be completely done, for the teams that are qualified for the playoffs, the 16 teams right now, to go right into the playoffs, start a playoff bracket, and have the Bulls play no more games, get rid of Jim Boylan, sorry ass. We don't have to evaluate him, quote-unquote, evaluate him in the last whatever six or seven games they would play in the regular season. Just could be completely done. Our tourists can come in there and clean house, get rid of Boylan, get rid of his whole staff. He's already got rid of a couple – the trainer, I think, and one or two assistants, they can all be gone. That would be the, the cleanest and the best thing for the Bulls is for them not to step foot on a basketball court until the 2020-2021 season with a brand-new coach, an entirely new front office, and you go from there. Chair, do you agree with that? 100%. It's, the best thing for the Bulls at this point is just finalize this season. So they can just finally get rid of Jim Boylan, which is the last chip to fall for all of us Bulls fans. That's it's the only thing that's left to do. 
after that, you roll the ball back out there next season. There's not much money that they're going to be able to do anything financially by adding any free agents. Maybe they get crafty, trade a guy or two away. But until you get Otto Porter off the books and you get the, the gummy teddy bear off the books, um, I mean, there's really nothing the Bulls can do. So you just hope that they get a coach that's going to be really good at developing, make Lori happy, and you start figuring out who's going to be a part of the next version of our tourist of Chicago Bulls. So you, neither of you think, not from, a, not from a Jim Boylan evaluation perspective, but from a player evaluation perspective, there's no benefit to this new front office that has come in while the NBA has been on hold to evaluate these guys play at all. I think that's, exa- that's what next season will be because there's so – You're already there's, throwing away next season. I think yes. next season will be a complete evaluation, and it's not a throwaway because you need to see if you're going to pay Lori Marketing, if you're going to pay Wendell Carter Jr., Zach Levine, I think, would only have two more years left on that deal. Colby White would only be going into his second year. Those are your core four pieces right there. Otto Porter plays out his last year, like Jer says. Goodbye. If you could find a way to trade Thaddeus Young or Tomas Sadoransky, that would be lovely. But I think next year is where Arturis comes in and evaluates what they have and then says, these are guys that I'm going to bring with me into the future and build around these guys and supplement with draft picks and try to get some free agents and then be able to re-sign these guys or say, Lori Markkinen is not worth a major contract extension because last year or next year is his last year of his deal, and you have to decide, is he worth a four- or five-year deal with 20-plus million at least per year? That's what you got to do. So I think – I don't think a seven-game sample and then sprinkling in four or five random playoff games will do anything for his for uh, Arturis and the GM and everybody else to evaluate these guys. I think that's going to be a next season thing. So you, to me, it just sort of feels like you're punting next year already to be able to vet with these players. I, I understand you can't do anything financially, but to me, there's at least a little value in terms of being able to move summer pieces around and identify who the true core is. There's a lot of redundancies on this team and you're just going to add another draft pick to this and a whole bunch of other guys with more money. And it just seems like it's going to be very hard to evenly evaluate all of these pieces next year, unless you find a way to get rid of some of them. Listen, DC, they've played 65 games up to this point. I think under the Jim Boyle and Chicago Bulls, which would be the Chicago Bulls that they would reevaluate again in these six, seven, however many games, there's tape on that already. We've all seen it. This is exactly what this team does. They get up early. Halftime comes. Adjustments are made. They start panicking in the third quarter. That team comes all the way back, starts to win in the fourth. The Bulls go back and forth, back and forth. Last two minutes, they fucking shut down because Zach Levine goes into go mode and ignores Jim Boylan. That's what they see. All right? They, okay. I, I get that. But they've already – I know they've gotten rid of some of the staff, but they've also, like, retained some of Jim Boylan's assistants. So there's obviously guys on that staff that they like. They could easily get that in an interim role to who's not going to do what Jim Boylan did. I, I think all of what the Bulls thing we've seen is a is a indictment on Jim Boylan, not necessarily all these players. We know how Jerry works. They're not going to just fire Jim Boylan with seven games left and put an interim in. They'll let him coach it out. And I just don't see the point. They Chance did that to Ozzie Guillen. They, they let Ozzie Guillen out the door. He Listen, went we're not world. talking about Ozzie Guillen right now. We're talking about my franchise. And <laughs> and the point with Ozzie Guillen is he already had another job lined up. That's why they let him go. If they let Jim Boylan go with seven games left, they have to pay him for the rest of the season. 
They're not going to do that. They're Utah Tech won't take Jim Boylan at this They're going to hope the season just ends, and then that is done, and then they only have to pay him for one more year of his contract. Okay, and again, Champ, I can't believe we're agreeing this month. Champ is 100% correct in the fact that next year is the evaluation because you, 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 have, you, have, the tape, you have the Jim Boylan tape on these guys. And now you need to add this new coach, whomever it will be. It probably is going to be coming off the Philadelphia 76ers bench or maybe a guy from the Raptors. And you're going to put this team in development with him. Can we and get from, Nick Nurse from the Raptors? That'd well, be awesome. That, that would be nice. He's a Chicago guy, but can't get a Nick Nurse hat, let alone Nick Nurse to coach our team. True. But, um, from there on, that's the evaluation. You need to see what a guy that has your mindset from, from like Arturis' point of view um, – has your mindset, has your goals in mind, and then you go from there. Because like I said, there's, there's just no money. There's nothing going on next season. And if Zach Levine's not your guy, he's got a great contract, which we've talked about before. Yes, at the time, D.C., you and I especially hated it, but this contract is very tradable at this point. For a guy that scores 25 a game getting $19 million, like that's a big-time asset moving forward. But you have to decide if you want to re-sign him and keep him, and he fits with your team, or he's going to be exactly that. Do not want to keep Zach Levine around. We've seen what he can do. Well, that's fine. Right. You, you realize that next year and then if you don't want him? I realize that before he signed his extension. Well, oh, I and mean, by the way, this reevaluation, the, the East sucks so much, and if they don't change anything in the NBA after this year with the COVID, they could still potentially make an eight seed. Yes. Especially with a, a coach that actually knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and the players that actually like him? Yeah, and, and our tourists maybe getting creative and adding, you know, a mid-level guy or making a trade to get someone else that he likes maybe from Denver or something like that. I mean, there's, there's we're not saying run the entire, you know, 15-man roster back next year. If he wants to make some tweaks, that's fine. If he wants to bring in some of his own type players, that's fine. But he's he has some guys on this team that he needs to evaluate over a full season with a competent head coach. And the Bulls are only eight games back right now from the eighth seed. There was plenty of games that they blew that would make up those eight games with a good coach that knows what the fuck they're if doing. If Jerry Sherwin was coaching the Bulls, they would be a playoff team this year. That's how incompetent Jim Boylan is. Yeah, because Zach Levine would get benched every the first time he waved me off. Well, I don't know if that would make him a playoff team, but that's enough. Later! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, do you guys have any other bull, general Bulls thoughts, not necessarily specific to them restarting, but the way that the, way that the Bulls are going right now as a franchise? Everyone seems pretty positive about the Bulls as they head into the summer and potentially the offseason. I got a question for you both. Sure, what do you got? Do you think the last dance has reignited the Chicago Bulls franchise and its ownership? Do you think yes. watching those 10 parts – helped at least Jerry Reinsdorf, if not Michael Reinsdorf, Reinsdorf realized that they had something very special and they kind of let it go under the table. They let it get crushed by a bus. And do you think that they're trying to restart that ignition? I think 100%. I don't think Jerry Reinsdorf ha- is, has a lot to do with the Bulls right now. We've sa- I've said that to you in text messages over the last few weeks. I think it's Michael Reinsdorf's pony, you know, let's say. It's his team to run – Jerry is pretty hand, he's pretty hands off with the Bulls now. I think Michael's got his hands all over it. And I think Michael wants to to bring the glory back into Chicago. And I mean, maybe it's Circular Tourists and him building up this city 
But I think watching The Last Dance, I don't know how you couldn't, as a, as an owner, minority owner, whatever Michael's consideration is, I don't know how you couldn't want to improve this team and make them great again. I tend to disagree, and the only reason is because of the storyline that came up after they hired Arturis and Mark Eversley came in as GM, and basically they started leaking that they're, they're ready to move on from Jim Boylan, but ownership wasn't so sure. Ownership came in the press conference with Arturis that they'd have full autonomy on basketball operations, but then the very first basketball operation decision comes through, and there's already a little bit of, eh, we kind of like Jim Boylan around because he's a good soldier. So to me, I and I know it's, it's things have changed recently this week that they're you know it seems like it's done for Jim Boylan, but the still just not being able to get out of the way of the basketball decision makers doesn't make it seem like they're ready to like fully fully get try to get back to the '90s dynasty Bulls. It's fair. Um, we're just gonna have it's to. Fair. Wait. Just to me now, knowing what we know about Jim Boylan being all but done. It feels like Jim Boylan was the one that leaked that information about Jim, the management liking Jim Boylan. Probably. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't. Just don't forget, I, right when they brought Arturis in, it was Jim Boylan's camp saying like, yeah, Jim Boylan's ready to go. He's so excited about working for this new GM. Like, get the fuck out of here. You haven't talked to this guy yet. Yeah, Arturis wants nothing to do with your bald-headed ass, Jim. Don't worry. I, to me, it just feels like they're not, the, the ownership group is, is not, truly willing to, to let go of all the power they want things as long as it's not too expensive to to continue to operate the way it is this is as close as they're ever probably going to get though of giving full, oh, full autonomy to a group of guys that did not get developed in their organization absolutely you're not wrong about that whatsoever and i'm glad that they've i'm glad that they finally recognized that they need new blood in there and people who don't have ties to a specific agent, uh, their their previous teams in the <laughs> What's 90s. What's that guy's name? Mark Bartlestein. Bartlestein. <laughs> um, and it, it is refreshing to see in that aspect, but it also is kind of at the same time worrisome that they're still leaking out things about ownership having, you know, preferences on things. You gave, you signed, you hired guys seemingly who know what you can do or know what you can't do and let them go operate. Let's put this on the record book. Since we're here doing the Chicago show, DC, I'm sorry I'm kind of stealing your – You're your, fine. Your, your, I'm taking the ball here. I'm You've had the day off. You're refreshed. I, I am. I'm feeling day, good. So. And the Bulls are exciting me. So let's just – let's call it a five-year plan, right? Okay. Uh, we, we, I think Champ and I and DC are probably on board with us a little bit now. That next year's our now evaluation plan. They'll probably get another high pick. But if I'm looking and reading this right, Champ, you might have to pull out your magic dandy notebook. But – the Bulls will go from having no money to having Otto Porter's money to basically having like nine-ish million dollars on the books in two years, giving them ample opportunities to fill in with free agents. They still Zach Levine is still signed. He's signed for two more years, so you still have Zach Levine's money but on there. You too. would if if I doing my math correct? It's it's okay. Maybe it's a little bit more. Maybe it's like it's probably about, it's probably like thirty. I think it's about 20 because it keeps going down for Levine. And then you have Kobe White. That's it. That's who you have on the books. If yeah. I'm doing it right. Whatever. If, Regardless. If you, I mean, we don't have to get technical. Yes, those are like the only two guys that are technically signed. You want to talk about like cap holds and shit with Lori. We don't have yeah. to get technical. 2025-26 season, are the Chicago Bulls a top three team in the East and slash a contender? 
I think it depends on Lori marketing. Honestly, if Lori marketing can be a good number two piece, which I think he can be, if Lori, if you, if they identify Lori marketing as a nice number two, you give him a Zach Levine like extension. I think if Lori marketing has a nice year next year and you want to give him a four year, $80 million extension, I think that would make everybody happy. And that would leave you plenty of money to go after that number one piece, whether it's in free agency or trade. And then all of a sudden, Kobe White's your number three. Zach Levine, for that one year that he's still left under contract, is your number four all of a sudden. Like, then, yeah, then you're a top three team in the East. And Wendell Carter can just focus on being a defensive player and not even really having to score that much. I think, yeah, I think that's who it depends on. It's big for Laurie Markkinen to take that next step and be a very good number two piece for a Eastern Conference title contender. I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say that this team looks dramatically different five years from now than what it does right now. 100%. And I think that's, and I think that's the only way that they can. So I know Champ just mentioned Wendell Carter, Carter being a defensive force, Kobe White being number three, Laurie being number two, Zach Levine for another year. Like I don't think any – there's maybe one guy on, out of those guys that could possibly stick around. And I think that this front office needs to come and completely overhaul that roster and trade these pieces to get assets back to then be able to flip into some way, shape, or form into a superstar to pair with one of these guys that's already here. Is LeBron James's son available on, in five years? That's he, Bron, he's a, what is he, going to be a sophomore in high school or junior? He'll be a sophomore going into this, this fall. So that that's four years, and boom, and he's in the NBA. So you have maybe. LeBron and Bronny with Kobe White. I'm fine by me. I don't get the Ken Griffey Jr. version of LeBron. Great. LeBron can play center on that team. What does it matter? Who cares? I'm going to go on the record and say yes. The Bulls, I agree, DC are going to look drastically different. I'm not so sure on Laurie Markkinen anymore, but if there's one guy that's going to be able to do it, I think it's Arturis. So let's go ahead and throw him on the team as a stretch four that we are hoping to be athletically. Kobe White, I think, is a real piece. Zach Levine's going to be doing something for us on the trade market, not so much on this actual roster. And uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is probably the next Al Horford, and I think in the right system, he can maybe be even better than that. He's got to stay healthy, but that is a very strong three pieces to start. And with some max money and a couple more lottery picks, I think some things are going to turn around for the Bulls and we're going to be really, really happy in the next couple of years. So I, I think everyone kind of hinges on, on Lloyd Markkinen here. And so I think whoever this next coach is has to be able to get his confidence back. Yeah. Has to be able to, whether it's build him up into a sense that you can sign him to an extension that's, that makes sense or build him up to a point where you can trade him for an asset. And then you can find it, – it's, it's all about the infrastructure around a team that, that – entices superstars so if you can have the right coach in place that's going to entice a superstar have the right teammate with the right connection who played in an all-star weekend of some sort like Jimmy on the Olympic team that there's just some type of connection there like Jimmy that's Butler. all that's only thing you need that's like all, those are the things you need to work together so the next coach has to it getting loyal marketing right whether it's to see, to sign him to an extension or to trade him is the most important thing in my mind yeah 100 percent do we shift gears to baseball? Yes. We're, we're, saving the, we're saving the Bears for last year because that's going to be the most – Fireworks on this segment. Most fireworks that we're going to have, I think, on this show. We're going to say that for last. So well, why don't we shift gears to baseball because they can't, they can't help themselves. They can't get out of their own way here. 
everyone's ready for baseball to come back. They have the safety, safety things ironed out uh, on terms of testing and making sure people are, are taken care of and self-quarantining and all that fun stuff. The one thing they can't figure out are the billionaires and the millionaires are fighting over how to split all the money up. So, Champ, I ask you, where are you at with baseball resuming? What are what is the what odds are you giving this? What percent chance are you giving the baseball coming back in the immediate future? I'm gonna put it at sixty percent chance that they play by Fourth of July weekend. That there's ba- actual baseball games being played at the major league level, and the reason that. I would love to say I'm at 95% because that's what it should be. It should be at 100%. Should. We, I mean, there's no reason that these guys should not, especially if they've ironed out all the health you know, protocols and everything, they've now decided – I think they've pretty much decided that they don't have to go to, like, one place and sequester everybody from their families because nobody wanted that. I think they've decided on the three 10-team, you know, leagues – uh, the th- the three ten team divisions, let's say, where you were playing in your your area, and there's no reason that these guys shouldn't be on the field. I mean, the the catastrophic effect of, of them not playing this year is so monumental that they need to get the fuck on the field. I mean, they're I, I just don't understand what they're thinking. You're just you're exactly right. Billionaires and millionaires fighting. I'm blaming the owners. I'm usually a guy who doesn't blame the owners a lot. But the, they're, I understand it was the first, you know, thing that they put out. It was, it's a negotiation, and you have to start low. But the shit that they put out yesterday, that some of these players, the pay cuts that they'd have to take is absolutely ridiculous. Mike Trout going from, like, $35 million to, like, seven to play half the games. I mean, that is absurd. I mean, yes, he's going to have to take at least half because they're only playing half the games. That's what the players agreed to already. We, I understand that there was no fa- – they didn't know fans were going to be back in, when they made those parameters back then. But you cannot make them take another half pay cut, basically. That's what they're saying. Yeah, with right, these high-priced right. guys, they're saying you have to pay for play for 25% of your salary. That is asinine to me. And I know that they're going to come up a little. They need to come up a hell of a lot more than what they did yesterday, and they need to get it figured out and get on the fucking field. That's all I want to say about no, you're 100% right. And Champ, I think to, to add to that, I think a lot of these, and I'm not denying the fact that owners are going to be losing money without having fans in the stands, without having a full season of, of, of TV revenue, of gates, of concessions, of, of all that stuff. I'm not denying that. They're going to lose money. But there has, you have to be willing to take a risk here and lose a little bit of money so you don't lose a whole lot more a year from now if you don't play baseball. Because if I mean, you don't play this year, how about you losing the entire fucking baseball as as we think of it right now? Correct. But if if you don't play baseball this year and the sticking point is money, this will be as bad or worse than the '94 strike. Yeah. 100%. And so the your your fan reaction, you're already having an, an aging fan base. You already struggled to attract the millennial fan base, and now you have a billionaires and millionaires fighting over over millions of dollars grant like yes it's a lot of money but compared to the, the fans who are who should be interested in your baseball this is the opportunity to test things play with things be experimental find ways to interject life into a sport that needs it and you're going to rather just sit in the sidelines and let everybody else move forward because you're going to argue over a little bit of money is so so detrimental 
to the future of this sport, the champ that you and I love so much, Jerry, a little bit less than us, but it, it's really, He's really concerning. Off. And I'm not even picking any sides. They both need to figure it out. Yep. The, the players don't want to accept a 50-50 revenue slip because they feel it's a, it's a salary cap. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's, it's everything's unprecedented this year. You have to, have to find a way to figure it out, make, work it up, because you're going to hurt yourselves in the long run if you guys don't. Jerome, you got anything to add, or are you just going to shake your head? No, I'm – listen, yes, I am not the biggest baseball fan compared to you guys, but it was something that I was getting to be very excited about, especially with – You even started a blog. I did start a blog. I was trying to do my best to mend my relationship with baseball. That was the entire goal of the season with the Chicago White Sox. And at this point, with everything that I'm seeing – if they do not come back and every other, every other league figures out a way to bring back their players and get something done during this COVID-19 pandemic, this is a death sentence for baseball. This is an unforgivable act on all parties. You cannot put all these people out of business. The athletics owner can really go shove it with what he's doing over there, furloughing his employees that make like 70 grand and less, not paying the stipends to his, his amateur players. These are the things that I read about and I get pissed off about. This is an unforgivable act. Put baseball on a death sentence. There's going to be nobody younger than us that's going to give two shits about baseball if these guys do not go out and figure out a way to play. Because on top of all of that, the thing that like makes me – that made me want to come back to baseball and build that relationship back up was things like when 9-11 happened. When there was a crisis, we all banded together for that Yankees game. When all of them were wearing like the, the New York Police Department, Fire Department, it was around baseball that all of us began to mend. When the Boston Marathon thing happened, we watched that first game back when David Ortiz just started cursing on the microphone of everybody. <laughs> like these are the moments. This is that- my fucking city. These are the things that bring people together. It's baseball. It is their national pastime. But if these guys can't get it together because of millions of dollars, and that's the only reason, see you later, baseball. I don't need you in my life anymore. Is it, it's unbelievable the 180 baseball took. Go back to spring training when they were playing spring training games and ESPN had guys mic'd up on the field and how it was fun. It was new. It was different. It was innovative. Everyone's like, this is awesome baseball. Can we do this during the regular season? To now we're looking straight in the possibility of not having a baseball season because these guys can't figure out how to split up a little bit of, of less revenue that's going around this year. I mean, Are you DC, kidding me? You mentioned earlier, you talked about millennials. What are all millennials doing right now? They're sitting at fucking home because they have nothing else to do. What better way to get these millennials to like your sport than putting it on the television instead of them watching every single every day. day in multiple hours throughout the day? There's East Coast, there's West Coast games. What and better they have a baseball to- video game on top of it. Yes, exactly. Instead of them watching shit on Netflix, they could be watching your sport and being like, you know, this is actually really fun. They have some great young stars that are my age and that I can grow up loving, just like my dad ended up loving these guys. I I mean, it's just so – there's no way. They can't not play. They're going to get smart. They're going to eventually figure this out because they they know they have to because if they don't, it might be a death sentence. It honestly could be especially with the labor, you know, the stri- another potential strike coming in a year. I'm going to tie this all together. We're going to go back and, and pull somebody who might – there could be somebody at the helm of this who's going to kind of pull, 
drag this out for as long as it has to because there definitely are a group of owners who don't want to play games this year because they're going to lose too much money by playing versus just losing what they would lose by not playing. And part of me wonders if a certain owner of our favorite, two of our favorite teams is in that group, even though he had a team that's probably been the best and most talented team he's had in the last 15 years. Do you guys think either of you think Jerry Reinsdorf is in the, in the camp of owners who do not want there to be a season? Yes. Champ, do you, have, do you, do you think that? I'm not going to start picking the minds of what <laughs> owners I think are the ones that are behind all this. I think what I three. think and what I know is these owners realize just as much as the players realize that they need to play baseball, especially like Jer said, if all three of the other sports come back and play, because if baseball is the only sport that doesn't come back and play during this pandemic and they look and it's because of money and not because of the actual fucking virus, it will make them look so bad that it, it would, it would be detrimental. It, it honestly would. And it pains me because I love baseball, just like DC Jer is starting to love it again. The White Sox are fine. It's just so sickening that, of course, the year the White Sox are actually going to finally be good, we might not even have a goddamn season because they're arguing. Because, first of all, because of COVID, and now because they're arguing over money. It just pains me. It upsets me so much. So, Jerry, do you think we have a baseball season? Yes, there's too much money at stake when it all comes down to it. They're going to chase the money. They're, they're going to figure out a way to get it done, but there might be some damage done already by the it's, fact that, like, did, what do you mean? If they, if they figure this out and they play, people are going to be fine with the going back and forth as long as they play. That's all that matters. Okay, here's the deal, though. You don't see anybody else from any of these other because leagues going back and forth like this. It's not a valid argument. I mean, it's a good look. It's not a valid argument because baseball is the only sport besides – we don't know what's going on with football yet. That's in the future. But hockey and basketball have already started. So they've already gotten – all the players and the owners have gotten, you know, 85% of their money already. Baseball has not started, so you can't make that argument. You can't say they, you know, they look bad because they're the only sport not arguing about money. And on top of that, they're also the only sport that without a true salary cap. Yes, exactly. So the, that's why and, – and I get that's why the money is playing a big role because the players' union is trying to preserve the fact of not wanting a, a seller cap, and that's 100% their right to, to protect that by any means necessary. But to me, this seems like we're turning this into a CBA negotiation as opposed to just a one-off negotiation to play, to play a season so you guys actually get paid at all. Yeah, that's the only thing that puts me at a lower percentage is because they just don't have the time that they would to negotiate this out. Like, they're, I mean, clearly it's happening in public because we have the literal exact figures that players were going to get based on the first thing. So, in normal times, you have a six month period to do this, to go back and forth when the season's not playing. But this, maybe you have what, a three week period, if that? I mean, two weeks? I mean, this has to get done, you know, by mid-June if you want to have any semblance of a season. Yeah. I mean, everybody said this is the week. Like, they have to get it done by the end of this week. To it, be able to that's like guys. by Monday, by June 1st. Yeah. So, let's go. Start fucking counter-proposing each other and let's get this shit done. It's like fantasy football. You send a shitty offer to start. That's fine. You get mad at each other. Then you get in a room and you make the deal. It's not that hard. No one knows fantasy football trades better than the people's champ. 
I mean, I do love a good trade, so let's go back and forth and get this shit done. On that note, it's a great transition to football, champ. Our Chicago yep. Bears. We have finished the – they're seemingly the only sport that's just moving on as, as normal. They're fully anticipating having a, a season as normal, which, hey, you know what? Credit to them. Who knows what science will look like two months from now, a month from now, a week from now. But the Bears have gone through their offseason, through the draft. They have added Nick Foles to the quarterback room to compete with Mitch Trubisky on the starting quarterback job. Part of this podcast believes Mitch Trubisky will still find a way to start a portion of the season this year. Another portion of this podcast is firmly believing that Nick Foles is the guy uh, that's going to lead this team back to the playoffs from a underperforming season last year to the playoffs champ. You are a Nick Foles guy. Try to sell us again for public for everyone's listening ears why Nick Foles is going to come in and save this Bears offense. It's so blatantly obvious. Number one, <laughs> it's not blatantly obvious that he's going to come save the offense. That's not what I'm saying. It's blatantly <laughs> obvious that he's going to have every opportunity to be the starting quarterback for this team. That's not you do not you do not trade a draft pick for a quarterback. When you are already low in draft picks like the Bears were, you do not go out and trade a said draft pick for a quarterback for him to sit on the bench. Also, you do not go out and on this coaching staff that have had numerous success with Nick Foles for him not to be the starting quarterback. John Filippo is a key member of this coaching staff now that has had great success with Nick Foles. Bill Lazor has had success with Nick Foles in the past. So you don't go out and you don't get these guys if you think Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback. It makes absolutely no sense. I don't understand why you guys still think that this is Mitch's team. You can they didn't, and then the the little cherry on top to make it known that this is Nick Foles' team is that the Bears declined Mitch Trubisky's fifth year option. If they believed in Mitch Trubisky at all, they would have picked up that option. He would have had another two years with this team to grow and develop into this quarterback that. People still think he's going to develop into. It's not happening. This is Nick Foles' team. You have a ready-made defense. You have pieces on offense. You have you went out, you went out and got some tight ends, drafted a tight end. Nick Foles is the guy for this team, and he's going to lead them to a 10 or 11 win season and a playoff appearance this year in a division championship. Champ's calling the shot early on the win total for the year. Jer, you are of the other camp on Mitch Trubisky. Is probably going to start a few games this year, at least. Yep. Do you care to enlighten us as to why? The only reason that you really need to have is that the GM who spent all the draft capital to move up one spot to have the right to draft him is still the GM of this team. Yes, he went out and secured the best backup you could possibly have for his quarterback to ensure a backup plan because they couldn't just keep going to a Chase Daniel if Mitch Trubisky got hurt or if it wasn't working out but they are going to continue to give Mitch Trubisky every single opportunity to fail. This is year, what, three of the Matt Nagy system. We're probably going back to offense 202, but that gives Mitch Trubisky, who's been no, I, Well, last year was supposed to be on 202, so we're, going, we're staying at 202 because he probably failed that semester. Probably. Did you fucking watch him play last year? The guy who made the pick is going to go down with the ship. That's what always happens in these situations. Did you He's, forget that that same GM that made that pick I also, trade, without interrupting. also traded a pick to get a new quarterback? Did you forget that? 
The Packers just used their first-round pick on selecting Jordan well, Love. Well, the Packers are fucking morons. That was the best pick the Bears could have ever hoped for, The pack that the Packers made. But you're saying you're acting as if people don't spend capital on quarterbacks. The the your starter and your backup are probably the two most important points, uh, spots on the roster for a football team. But Mr. you don't Mr. trade a fourth round pick when you don't have a first or second round pick or a first or third round pick. You don't trade a fourth round pick for a guy to sit on the bench. It's not happening. You don't you you don't go to Nick Foles and say let's restructure your entire contract to benefit you when you play games and you start for us so you can get paid again. You don't do that. It makes everything the Bears have done this entire offseason has led you to, to believe that Nick Foles is their quarterback for the 2020 season. I'm entering in here because I feel like if the Bears truly believed that Mitch Trubisky wasn't the guy, that there was a quarterback available out there who would have made all the sense in the world if you were trying to truly improve the quarterback position. You better not say Cam Newton because I'm going to be pissed if you do. No, I'm saying another guy that you that you hold dearly in your heart. Say. Go ahead and Tom, say Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady would have made a lot more sense if you truly didn't believe you had a quarterback in your room that you that you've given up on. If you gave up completely on Mitch Trubisky, Tom Brady was out there with an offense that you put more playmakers around and an offensive-minded head coach with a whole bunch of coaches that are around there to, to make a quarterback thrive. Tom Brady makes all the sense in the world if you truly gave up on Mitch Trubisky. Going for the Nick Foles route is telling me that you still want to give that man every chance you can, you can give. Yep. And if it doesn't work out, you have a backup plan in mind because he is comfortable and he knows the offense and it's not going to be a, a total, utter disaster if and when Mitch Trubisky fails. Let me ask you this. You want to talk about Tom Brady. Did Tom Did do we even know if Tom Brady had any desire to come to the Bears? It, it it's not a it's it has to be a two-way I'm, street. Okay, but I understand that. I'm not I'm not saying but I'm not making that case. I'm just saying the Bears could have been more hard pressed into the Tom Brady sweepstakes, at least trying and to how get do, a meeting. How do we but, know that it, as soon as free agency opened, they didn't go to Tom Brady's representatives and say, We would like to give you a type of deal that you're looking for, Tom. We want to bring you into Chicago. And Tom said, I'm not interested. I'm already talking with Tampa. They have playmakers left and right, and I get to go play in 85-degree weather. Champ, we live in the city of Chicago. This city freaked out when there was rumors that Eli Manning was having dinner in the restaurant in Chicago because he was retired and might come play quarterback for the Chicago Bears. You're telling me if that happened that it would not have leaked to the Chicago media in some way, shape, or form? I firmly believe that they had, they talked to Tom Brady's representatives and they went they went and said, "Hey, we would love to have you," but Tom had no desire. I don't think. I, I mean, who would you rather play with? Look at the look at the playmakers and Bruce Arians in Tampa. I would rather okay, go to what, Tampa. What defense would you rather have to be your safety blanket? I mean, Tampa's defense isn't bad. I understand the Bears have a great defense, but he already did that route. He did that last year with New England. He had a great defense and he played in a cold weather. You know, town, and they didn't do shit in the playoffs, so he wanted to go somewhere else. I mean, it's a it's a fair statement. I just feel like you're if you're looking to drastically improve your quarterback room, you're not just settling on on Nick Foles. Let or, me ask yeah, you this: going to go, or you're going to go? No, no, no. It's my turn. Or you're going to go out there and you're going to go get a guy like Derek Carr, then who you've touted this entire offseason as being the guy. Why don't you go get a young guy that's also going to be able to put it into competition that we've seen win in the NFL at a high level that doesn't get hurt 
every single year or who did it one time. What, the- what would you, what type of capital are you giving up to get Derek Carr? I mean, if you want, it you is had the to most give, important position in all football. You had to give up a fourth round pick to Nick get Nick Foles. Nick Foles wasn't even going to start for the Jaguars this coming year. So yeah, you know what? Come on over here. We'll restructure your deal. If you start, why not? You weren't going to play in Jacksonville. I mean, he may have played. Cardu Minshew is in the second hey, coming. Let's hey, not champ, act like he is. Champ, can you uh, at least explain to me how some Nick Foles isn't just a rich man's Matt Flynn? He's oh stop! Nick Foles has been a Super Bowl MVP. Open your fucking eyes, Jerome. You live in Philadelphia. I didn't you see watch that. It. That was I that know, was DC. But I understand DC <laughs> said that. But Jerry lives in Philly, and you want to talk about fucking Derek Carr? Like he's so great. Nick Foles has oh been in the playoffs. God. Nick what Foles has Derek won, Carr and he's won a Super Bowl MVP. And, and you're going. You want to talk to me about oh. Derek Carr? My God, no! You want to talk <laughs> about Derek Carr until Nick Foles came to town. You kept saying, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton. Did I not make you a list? Did Nick Foles not appear on my list of guys that I wanted the Bears to go after? Was Derek Carr above him? Derek Carr was on that list. There was 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 one guy that was clearly above. That was Tom Brady. Then I said if Cam Newton was healthy, which clearly he's not because nobody signed him, then I said Cam Newton. Then there was about a three- to five-player radius okay. of guys okay. and Nick here's Foles was on that radius. Here's the other point that not, has not been made yet. When it comes down to a chemistry thing with the players that are on this offense, which is a very integral part of quarterback play, especially with guys like Allen Robinson who have said nothing but positive things about Mitch Trubisky in the locker because room. Because he has to. Hunter. He's his fucking quarterback. What do you want him to do? Throw him under the bus? That's what I'm saying. You think Nick Foles and them are going to just be able to develop this type of yes, time I do. Because Nick Foles is like going to step into the practice and they're going to be like, wow. This guy knows how to command a huddle. This guy knows how to come in here and actually play well and not overthrow me and get me killed by DBs like fucking Mitch does. They're going to see – it's not going to take long. They might not have OTAs and all this other stuff. They're eventually going to have some practice time where they're going to get to see Nick Foles come in there and do what he's done in his career, and they're going to – it's not going to take long for them. If Nick Foles beats out Mitch Trubisky, you're not going to hear Allen Robinson and any other guy on the offense say – Man, I wish we went to Mitch. You know, Mitch should be the guy. I th- I, I, I just don't know. I, I think he outplayed, you know, Nick Foles. Fuck no, that's not going to happen. When Nick Foles goes in there and outplays Mitch, they're all going to jump on Nick Foles and be all about him the entire season. So, so did you, you're talking about opening up your eyes for Nick Foles with that season with Philly when he won the Super Bowl after being outrageously poor in the regular season, getting hot in the playoffs. But did you watch any of the four games that he played in last year? I, I watched him. That's not his fault. That's that's his teammates' fault, Jerry. Everyone keeps saying that. I watched him in Jacksonville week one lead them down the field to a beautiful touchdown drive and then break his collarbone. That's what I watched. And then I watched him try to rush back at the end of the season because he wanted to validate the money he got from Jacksonville. He came back too soon, well, and he didn't play great. That's, that's fine. I I, last I checked, with John Filippo as the offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jaguars did not do anything that was of note with Nick Foles or with Gardner Minshew. If you want to argue last year's performance, did you watch the Bears play? Mitch Trubisky is a horrible quarterback. You want to have him as your quarterback? I don't know what to tell you. He's I'm saying good. it's the it's the devil you know. It's the familiarity. And on top of it, it's the GM who sacrificed his entire reputation for the rest of his career in the NFL to go up and get this guy. That well, is more important than a fourth round pick if he for plays Nick Tr- If he plays Mitch Trubisky this year, Ryan hey, pays Hey, 108, if you're listening, hey, champ, fuck off. <laughs>
I mean, that's fine. But if if Ryan Pace wants your to your arguments are wagons, poor. Like this, you're just talking because you think that Trubisky's bad. That all of a sudden this guy's going to come in. But there's so much other things, football related and ego related, that you're just you're glossing over. That's and, you, and, you, and, you, and and Chip, on top of that, you keep bringing back what Nick Foles did in Philly to win a Super Bowl when he got hot. You're ignoring what Mitch did his first year with Matt Nagy. He wasn't bad with Matt Nagy his first year. Mitch Trubisky is garbage. If, if Matt Nagy but, okay, and Ryan... But if, but if you're going to make the claim that Mitch is garbage, even though he put up a pretty decent year his first year with Matt Nagy, you also have to admit that Nick Foles hasn't been good outside of getting hot with Philly to win a Super Bowl. You have to admit games. that. Nick Foles has had other times of greatness. No, he hasn't. With the Rams. He, when he was with the Eagles with Chip Kelly, he had an exceptional season. He exceptional? 25 touchdowns and one interception. Go look it up. Go pull up his numbers the year he would, that Chip Kelly was the fucking yes. coach of that he team and tell me yes. he didn't have a great year. Yes. Thank you. That was a long, long time ago. I, that's fine. Has Mitch ever put up a season like that? No. <laughs> okay. All right. When, when, if and when Nick Foles starts and there's still no, no offensive to speak of, then what happens? Then okay. Then was you it can Mitch? say. Was it Matt? Was it Ryan? Was it the they, offense? If was they, it the line? Who are you gonna blame it on then, champ? I'm gonna blame it on the Bears as a whole that they didn't do a good enough job. If if Nick Foles comes in and isn't a, a an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky, the Bears won't win anything, and that's fine. They're gonna start over. They'll they'll probably fire Ryan Pace. Probably Matt Nagy's gone, and then you're, we're right back where we started with a great defense and no quarterback. I mean, we've already seen what Mitch can do. I don't know why you guys want to see more of it. He's not good. Hey, no, no, no. Here, and this will, this will be dovetail perfectly in how we create the show is the case for and the case against his Bears team. Don't get it twisted. I am not crazy about the Nick Foles signing being a clear improvement over, over Mitch Trubisky, but I also don't think Mitch is going to come in and, and, and completely turn around what he did last year. I, I think It's about I think time it, you said that. To, to, tie in this, uh, to tie this into Iowa, when you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. Until Ricky Stanzi took over that job from, from Jake Christensen, Iowa was trying to figure out who was going to start. It was a complete mess. It's going to be the exact same thing here with, with So with if, Mitch Nick, if Nick Foles takes the job in, in training camp and in preseason and he shows that he could be the quarterback, can you then say, all right, we, don't, we have one quarterback, it's Nick Foles? And Mitch no, because I still, don't, I still, I don't think that they actually <laughs> truly improve the quarterback room. Agreed. Yes, they put this more competition in place. They, it's yes, not they a band-aid. Nick Foles is a band-aid. Yeah, this, you're not. To me, yeah. you can't say Nick Foles makes this team a Super Bowl contender. Nick Foles was like a season away from retiring a season ago. That's not true. Nyers making things up. Nope, that's that's not true. There's a, there's definitely an article out there on Nick Foles and his career coming to an end until yeah, it's not, how, it's how, not how, what? No, who resurrected that career though? Who was it? Who was it? Tell him that it was Matt Nagy. It's kids. not news that newly signed Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Nick Foles was planning to retire before the 2017 NFL season after largely unsuccessful stints with the St. Louis Rams and Kansas City Chiefs. 2017 is not a year ago. That's four years ago. I said a year ago. This, for this was a, a year that ago. story was a year ago when he signed newly signed Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Nick Foles. And then, no, in 2017, he signed with Andy Reid and Matt Nagy. And Matt Nagy and Nick Foles got very close. Awesome. He learned that offense. And now he's going to come in and succeed. That's fine. 
You guys just keep riding the Mitch Trubisky fucking train. But that we're you can not. Ride it, that's you can ride into not. a four and twelve <laughs> season and and Ryan Pace being fired. This is, that's fine. This is, everybody, this is champ twisting words around again because nobody hears. You saying, have said Dave at least came out and said I still don't believe in Mitch Trubisky. You literally just said I still believe in him. Don't lie, champ, ch- ch- champ. You're wrong. He d- he signed with Philly in 2017, not Kansas City. Okay, whatever. He was he Matt well, Nagy. Matt, was Nagy, Matt Nagy didn't save his career. You can't oh, say that. That's not right. Did he not go to Kansas City after that? He wasn't. Yeah, and no, it was before that. He went to Kansas. He was Philly to the Rams to the Chiefs. Then he almost retired. Then he went back to Philly. And All by right. the way, he has a quote out there saying he didn't have love for football anymore. So give me the guy that's never once said he didn't have love for football as my quarterback. Okay, just keep riding the Mitch train. Ride it to nowhere because that's where it would take you. If Mitch right, is the so starting quarterback week one, I'm putting red zone on the television. I'm not even going to watch it. Oh, you won't. No, you won't. I can't. It would make me so sick to watch Don't, don't lie. Especially if there's no baseball, you're going to lie. All right, so Champs, Champs got on the record. 10, 10 11 wins for the, for the Bears this year. If, when, if and when Nick Foles is the starter, not if fucking Mitch Okay, is. so give me, the, give me the record if, if they're splitting starts this year. The only way, in my opinion, that they're splitting starts is if Nick Foles gets injured and Mitch Trubisky comes in. Well, she has and and, and if that's the case, they're probably a four-win team. You trust <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. If, they, if Nick Foles misses significant oh, time and Mitch God. has to start more than ten games, they're not going to win more than four or five games. All right. Chair, can, can you bring us on the realistic train line? What's the case for the Chicago Bears this year, regardless of the quarter, who's starting at quarterback? The case is that the Bears offense only really needs to score like 17-ish points a game for them to be in every single one of these. 17 points in today's modern NFL with an offensive head coach, whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or my mother, should be able to produce well, What else do they not have to do, Jerry? Okay, That's it's what Jerry's time. Saying. You need to be quiet, champ. What else do they not have to do? They have to score 17, and what else does the offense not have to do? Turn the ball over. Thank you. And what does fucking Mitch Trubisky do? Turn the ball over left and right, whether it's interceptions or fumbles. <sighs> that's all Mitch does. Okay, but this again, not the question. It was what is talk yourself. What's the best case scenario for this Bears team, regardless of who is starting quarterback? Can I finish? Sorry, go ahead. You, I, you just got me so fired up. You I just gonna, can't believe you're gonna, gonna cut me off again. Go ahead. I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna mute champ here in a second. The other thing that has not been talked about on this podcast yet is the fact that now Mitch Trubisky has everything to play for. And when you do not have that guaranteed money and you want to continue to be a quarterback at the NFL level, if you want to be a backup on your next contract, if the Bears aren't going to re-sign him, then you need to start playing better. This is the third year in an offense. The offensive line hopefully solidified itself a little bit more because don't forget that was a fucking tragedy last season. Let's all just pretend it was all Mitch's fault when the interior of that offensive line was a freaking chaos chamber with guys shuffling in and out, and it's just terrible. You have weapons that we've seen proven. You have Jimmy Graham, who's a great tight end. I think – that this season the Bears are going to win 11 football games and Mitch Trubisky is going to get back to the playoffs. He's going to start each and every one of those. That's a very well put rational answer that does not involve hinging everything on Nick Foles, Jer. I appreciate that answer. I would say that they are a smack ceiling of a 10-win team, and the reason being is not because of who is playing quarterback. It is because this defense will be healthy. If you go back to a year ago, Akeem Hicks missed a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Kyle Long was a shell of himself, and then they had no depth behind him. 
you have you lost Danny Trevathan for to a long period of time, mm-hmm. and to to now that these guys get healthy, the defense has more more uh, consistency of, of, in terms of of guys not missing snaps. The offensive line is more consistent with a new a new offensive line coach who everyone keeps preaching as being the difference to this run game getting going mm-hmm. and the offense just being healthier and, and having more time to, to gel. Yes. I think that is the cap at 10 t- at 10 wins. The reason being, I don't think that they, they could even necessarily hit that 10 win mark is just, whoever's the quarterback. They're, they're both going to need to be played. I mean, champ, you keep saying Nick Foles is far and better than Mitch Trubisky. He might be, he might not be, but look at the, I mean, the facts of the matter is he's played since 2016, Three games, seven games, five games, four games. The guy can't stay on the football field. So even if he, so even if you start in week one, there's a good, highly likelihood that he's going to get himself hurt, and we're going to have to go to Mitch anyway. Uh, can I speak now, or are you both going to? Did you notice that? None, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. So I'll start with Jer's point of that. This is a, a make or break year for Mitch Trubisky. Last time I checked, Nick Foles restructured his entire contract to make this basically a make-or-break year for Nick Foles as well. So if you want to play that card with Mitch Trubisky, it's the same thing with Nick Foles. He's not going to go – if he doesn't have a good year with the Bears, he's going to be a backup the rest of his career. So you want to play that train with Mitch, it's the same thing with Nick Foles. And, D.C., I don't think you can keep saying whether or not whoever starts as quarterback – it's very clear to me, it may not be to you guys, that if Mitch Trubisky is the starting quarterback for this Bears team, they are no better than a third-place team in this division, plain and simple. I don't care how good the fucking defense is. The defense was very good last year, even though Akeem Hicks missed multiple games. Danny Trevathan missed multiple games, and they didn't turn the ball over as much as they did the year before, and their defensive coordinator left. They still were a top-10 unit in the NFL, and what did that get them? An 8-8 eight eight season. Champ, I feel like your brain shuts off when someone mentions Mitch Trubisky's name. Because what I was saying was, if even if Nick Foles is the starting quarterback week one, he has not shown an ability to say he has not played more than half of a season since 2016. So regardless, there's a very high likelihood, of, it's more likely than not that Nick Foles is going to get hurt and you have to go to Mitch Trubisky. Okay, well then you got to go to Mitch for a couple games. If Mitch so only to- has oh, two or three games, maybe he comes in and has a spark and it can run, whatever. Maybe that happens. I oh, doubt it. spark? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would much rather have him come in off the bench as an, with an injured Nick but, Foles than the other way around. But what you both have said is why this is actually – it's not cut and dry that this is going to be Nick Foles' team or it's even Mitch Trubisky's team. They're both incentivized to compete and earn the starting job. And whether – it depends – I mean, it's truly a competition. I'm not here to say Nick Foles is substantially better than Mitch Trubisky. I'm not here to say – Mitch Trubisky is substantially better than Nick Foles. They're both incentivized to go out and ball out, and the winner gets the starting job. And that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it should be. But if to, to say that they went and clearly improved their quarterback room by adding Nick Foles seems far-fetched to me when they had to restructure it to incentivize him to hit certain milestones. I will and, say and they made the room better. Sure, that's fine. Because that, the competition Daniel, aspect yes. of this should also impact Mitch Trubisky to be better. The better way to phrase that is that they have not given up on Mitch Trubisky yet. They have not, exactly. I, I disagree. I think that they have clearly shown that it's not Mitch's team anymore. By going to get Nick Foles, they shoot, they've shown that. And we can agree to disagree. That's fine. It's all going to come down to who plays better early on and who's going to be the starting quarterback. And I, I mean, firmly believe that's okay. going to be Nick Foles. Champ, yeah, yes or no? They play 
they, they are about equal, right? Let's even yes. say Nick Foles is just slightly above where they think Mitch is at. Do you think that is enough or that Ryan Pace will not say put Mitch in if it's that close? I think Ryan Pace knows that his job is on the line. And he's if in that scenario, if Nick Foles plays slightly better than Mitch, Nick Foles will start. The only way Mitch Trubisky is starting week one is if he is far and away better than Nick Foles in preseason and in training camp. Okay. Fair enough. All right, guys. Any other I disagree. Thoughts? I think if it's a 50-50 and they are they're like, oh, they're splitting the reps. So they can't. There's no real, like, guy that's jockeying position. They're going to go with the guy that's been in the system for the last two years, now on his third, that has familiarity with the players that he's been playing. Nick Foles has been in this system his whole career, so that, it's fine. That, that familiarity will come right away. And you can't waste a defense this good. You don't go out and sign Robert Quinn to a huge deal like they did. Don't say that. Don't say that because if, you, if that's your argument, then you go after you make a, an all-out blitz effort for Tom Brady. If you're not going to waste his defense, they, we'll bring they, Cam Newton too. Then that's right. You, you keep too. adding quarterbacks. You figure it out. Right. Bring them all in. Okay. They did it for oh. kickers. They might as well have done it for quarterbacks then. I'm sure if they what? went to you Cam. Now Newton. you're a po- I'm sure if they went to Cam Newton's agent and said, "Yeah, we want you to come in and compete with these two guys," I'm sure he would be really enthusiastic about that. It's that or not play anywhere right now, so maybe he would be. Well, Cam Newton's going to wait until somebody gets injured and he's going to go in and try to take a job. Okay. Okay. Any other Bears? We'll see. We I mean, it's, I, just hope, I just hope we're playing and with maybe even with fans in the NFL. That would be lovely. Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, I think we can wrap it up. We can wrap it up there. You guys get a look back into Second City Sports podcast back in the day, uh, talking Chicago sports. We certainly get passionate about that, and we have very differing opinions, and we don't always agree like we tend to do with Iowa sports. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Mitch. Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.